and welcome to GEC Important Talks. This is a podcast series presented by the team at Global Education Connection, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing children who are affected by conflict or natural disasters with resources like educational materials and art supplies. As part of this podcast, we want to talk about important topics related to children, their human rights, and their education. Of course, neither of us is an expert on these topics. We speak only to our knowledge, personal experiences, perspectives, and opinions. But there are many credible online sources for further information. Today, we have myself, Catherine Soderbach, and... Carter Beck. As your hosts. And today, we're going to be talking about things that you should have heard in the news, but probably haven't because of other major issues that have been going on lately. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we had something else we wanted to bring up. Yeah. So this podcast and a lot of the work that we do, it's thanks to donations from our listeners, but also our sponsors. So we just wanted to say thank you to our sponsors. Um, thank you to Oceanside Acupuncture for sponsoring uh, the work that we do. Um, it would not be possible without the, the generosity of our sponsors and individual donors like you, our listeners. So thank you so much. And if you want to learn more about sponsorship opportunities, you can go to our website on, under the Contact Us page. You can send us a message. We'll be happy to share some details. Thank you. Awesome. So yeah, kind of in this idea of like a news recap, um, because obviously there have been a lot of things going on. Uh, just in general, I think, all over the world. Um, so the news has been pretty loud lately. Um, but one of the major things we wanted to highlight that occurred that didn't get as much news attention as it probably should have was the series of earthquakes that hit Afghanistan last week. Um, these are pretty serious, and due to the ongoing... Um, <laughs> the, the, the fact that the Taliban is currently running the Afghanistan government means that outside ability to help has been limited. Um, so that definitely plays a factor in this as well. Yeah, it's um, so to give a little bit of a background on, let's see, um, the seventh, I believe on the seventh, there were um, there was a 6.3 magnitude earthquake um, that hit Herat, Afghanistan. Um, that's a provincial capital, um, and and so that was according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Um, it triggered a landslide that blocked the main Herat um, Torgandi Highway, and um, according to this information here, up to two thousand people were killed from this earthquake. Um, but that wasn't the only earthquake. Um, another uh, earthquake plus aftershocks also hit that area, um, leading to more devastation and um, more effects to the infrastructure, the homes, and the, the people that are living in those areas. Yeah, and I, I think the UN actually said that m more than 90% of the people that were killed in the earthquakes were women and children. Yes. Um, due to when the earthquakes struck, um, many men weren't in the area. They were out working in the outdoors, so they did not face the kind of devastation that women and children did as they were at home or at school where buildings were collapsing. Um, so it's, it's just a all around tragedy, but. And it's also, we have to look at what are the buildings in um, certain parts of the world made of? Like, what are some of the building practices? Um, for for one example, 
there was a, a village, um, Chaka, uh, Shahak village. And the article that I'm reading from right now said that all 700 homes in that village, um, were completely flattened. And so you look at some of the building practices and they're not built for earthquake security. They're really built from what's available and what's the most cost effective because these aren't um, exactly areas where people have um, disposable income. They build with what they have um, available at that time and with what they can afford. Yeah, which can be pretty dangerous because Afghanistan is like prone to earthquakes due to just where it is um, on the map. It has a lot of fault lines. Uh, in that area. So earthquakes are pretty common, um, which makes faulty infrastructure even more dangerous. But I mean, that can even be said about here in the United States, like country or states that are more prone to earthquakes are obviously going to have infrastructure that is better able to handle it than say, like Pennsylvania, which is not known to get earthquakes. Mm -hmm. So um, that's not just a poor people in Afghanistan thing. That's just kind of a global thing that some people have access to these resources and others don't very much dependent on economic situation and where you live. Absolutely. And so the reason we wanted to, to bring this up was we understand that there's, there's a lot going on around the world right now uh, related to the middle East um, also in, in the horn of Africa. Um, it really all over there are, there are issues that are consuming what we see in media um, however, what we noticed is one one of these natural disasters that has not received a lot of attention um, has been these earthquakes in Afghanistan. So we wanted to highlight exactly what's going on, what's being done to help, and potentially how our listeners um, can help out as well. Yeah, because, you know, if the media isn't paying attention to something, then we aren't paying attention because... For most people, they probably didn't even know these earthquakes occurred, mm -hmm. let alone how devastating they were, or how high the death tolls were, or how things are struggling to recover from it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But of course, regardless of that, you know, don't feel hopeless. There's always ways to help, um, which we will get into later. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I know the United Nations is working um, within within um certain within their certain capacities they are working to help um help the populations in these areas plus also groups so the world food program they're working on raising 19 million dollars to provide emergency food in the um, in this particular area in afghanistan um so I, I know that also the united nations they're working on raising money as well um, plus they're also working on just helping to identify how many people were impacted and also looking to see how many people are still missing so the un deputy spokesman for ha Farha Haq said that Zindajan was the worst affected area with more than 1,300 people that were killed because of these earthquakes and nearly 500 people that are reported as still missing. And so at, the, at this point, they're really trying to reconnect people with their families and um, provide emergency aid. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, I think the current Afghanistan government is limited in how they're able to help the people that are suffering. So this is a time when international organizations or nonprofit organizations that have the ability to go in and help are essential. Um, another group that's working would be uh, probably the Afghan Red Crescent Society. Um, that's their version of the Red Cross. 
um, along with, I'm sure, other local nonprofit organizations. Yeah. And and so they're also in I think it's important to to state there's not as much attention being drawn to this this natural disaster, which is why they're receiving less aid than they really need. Um, and so the Af Afghan government did post some of the uh, on their inst on their social media, some of the countries that are providing assistance. And so one of those was Turkey. They've sent medical um, teams with food, non-food items and medicine. The UAE and Turkmenistan have also helped with food, medicine, and clothing. Iran has also sent 15 vehicles with aid, um, as, as well as technical teams to help. And also Kazakhstan provided a technical team with 49 members to help. So there are countries um, in the area that are providing some help, but we want to provide some more put the spotlight on this issue. So that way it can hopefully draw some more attention and they can get more assistance. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously major world powers like the United States, Great Britain, France, countries that have the ability to provide more financial or humanitarian assistance are preoccupied with other issues, which we covered in our last episode. Um, so obviously they're not going to be directing as much attention to Afghanistan that I think is needed. Um, had this been literally any other any other week, we probably would have heard more about this, similar to how we all heard about the floods in Libya, um, I think last month or the month before that, um, along with other, you know, extreme um, environmental disasters or uh, natural disasters that have happened recently. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's bad timing all around, I think, um, in general, like, like we said earlier, the news has been kind of crazy lately, which for, I don't know why always seems to happen, like, right in the middle of midterms for every college student ever, so. Well, speaking of uh, bad timing, um, the article I'm reading from AP News also, also highlighted that Pakistan is they they recently announced a deadline for um, undocumented migrants. They um, so there's ties between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, they're currently under pressure. So Pakistan uh, has basically said that the 1.7 million Afghans that are currently living illegally in Pakistan need to leave before October 31st. Um, so right as as of recording this, that's about 12 days away. That. 1.7 million Afghans need to leave the neighboring country of Pakistan. And so that on top of the earthquakes, it's it's going to lead to more pressure and more tension between these two countries um, where they already don't have the resources that they need. Yeah, because, you know, where are those people supposed to go? Do they expect them to go back to Afghanistan where they might face persecution for leaving or... Maybe the women don't want to go back to Afghanistan, given the current Taliban's, Taliban government's um, treatment of women, which is a thing that contributed significantly to the reason why so many women and children died, because Afghan women can't go outside, um, like they're stuck at home. So when all the buildings were collapsing, guess where all of the women were? Um along with other things that they could face persecution against, like political beliefs or 
um, maybe if they're a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So it, it really begs the question of where are they supposed to go? And so to, to expand more on that, the Taliban government is um, very strict with their beliefs and their beliefs are very limiting to um, different segments of the population, whether you believe in a different religion or you're, or male, female uh, children, it's, they, I, and also, I think there's a little bit with the caste system as well. Um, but in Afghanistan, um, just to provide an example, the Taliban government on December 24th, 2022, established a decree barring women from working in national and international non-government organizations, so NGOs. So immediately right there, that takes away half or more than half of the available workforce of people that are willing to and trying to help the people in that country. Um, and so that also affects the United Nations, the World Food Program, UNICEF, and other nonprofits. And so if, if we went there, half of our team would not be able to actually help. And so that deters a lot of nonprofits from even attempting to go to Afghanistan to help out the population. Yeah, so they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with that, especially with the current situation. Because um, I'm sure a lot of organizations that would love to go in and be able to help can't because of the number of women on their staff or just people who are available to go might not be able or willing to because of outside factors. Correct. And which is why we've seen less attention brought to uh, the issues in Afghanistan, because a lot of nonprofits realize that they cannot work in Afghanistan, which is why they are, they're not talking about it. They're not advertising. This is the work that we're doing in Afghanistan. So it's, it's a compounding issue where, whereby if the Taliban is being strict in certain areas, they're deterring some of the help or actually a lot of the help in this instance that they, um, that they would be offered if they were able to lack some of their policies. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of um, even countries are not going to provide the aid that would be offered to another country because of the current government. Because, mm -hmm. um, like, I, I don't know if the U.S. would offer aid, just given our history with the Taliban um, or other European countries would do that. So it's it's another thing where they are limited by the politics of who is in power and what countries would be willing to assist the Taliban, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, the, the United States and other Western countries um, have restricted their aid to Afghanistan. Um, for example, um, we know that the United States has frozen uh, Afghan assets. So from the Wall Street Journal, on, uh, posted on February 8th, 2023, it says that the Biden administration seized $7 billion of Afghanistan's central bank reserves two years ago. And so that, that's $7 billion. That's a, a lot of money that is, is really impactful to the Afghan government. And so part of that is because the Taliban currently controls the Afghan government and the U.S. does not want uh, the Taliban who have committed terrorist attacks to be responsible for an extra $7 billion. And so it's, 
it's un, it's very unfortunate whereby the Taliban, a terrorist organization, is in control of the government, and the people of Afghanistan are suffering because of that. I feel like yeah. that's a, I feel like that's a trend that's going on around the world where certain certain groups of people have have power that don't really represent the people, and the people suffer because of them. Absolutely. So and, and so we can look at that in um, in Mexico with cartels, how cartels are curbing tourism to areas, and and local uh, local communities are suffering because of these certain violent extremists, uh, terrorists that um, live and operate in these areas. And also, there's the Taliban. Also, there's in in Iran, they have an extremist government, and that is not representative of the populations of Iran. I'm sure there are fantastic people there, but the governments are the ones that ultimately help or in this case hurt the people. Yeah. You know, I think that also applies to what you were saying about Mexico, a lot of South America, um, or even like what you mentioned about governments for places like Venezuela or obviously Cuba, um, or even like armed militant groups in Africa. Mm -hmm. Like how many people would love to go to Africa and see like, yeah. Sahara and stuff, but don't feel safe going because of how dangerous it is. Yeah, there's a, um, in in the in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, there's Virunga National Park, which is on my bucket list. I would love to go there, um, just because they've got uh, gorillas. Um, they've got it's 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 a really it's a beautiful place. Um, but there are armed militias uh, that are operating in that area. And unfortunately it, it wouldn't be safe for, for myself and my family to, to go to, to see Virunga because these extremist groups operate and ultimately hurt the communities that are just trying to, to, to show the beauty of, of where they're from. Yeah. You know, as, as much as it might be silly to talk about this, the, like the tourism industry is huge. Like that, that's some, that's a major thing, not only in the United States, but also in places like Europe and the Caribbean, um, other major cities across the globe. So this isn't just like, oh, it's just tourism. Who cares? No, this is like a huge thing, especially for developing countries who are working to kind of build up their economy and their place in the world. This would be a great opportunity for them to help like get more money be like hello look at our nice environment look at our cool animals uh, but they can't do that because of um the armed militias or terrorist organizations that reside in them um and like the the u.s state department has a whole list of countries that americans shouldn't go to places and countries where they strongly advise you not to go to because of how dangerous it is so this isn't just like a, oh i'm sure it'll be fine it's a no the u.s state department is telling you not to go yeah. So, and through, I mean, naturally, if, if an area is dangerous, that's what's going to lead to migrations of people. And that's why we've seen 1.7 million people go from Afghanistan to Pakistan. And that's why we see migration going to certain countries and leaving other countries. You see met, uh, like net positive migration or net negative, uh, uh, migration, and so we can also look at some of the the influx of people coming into the United States are are coming from these areas of the world where they don't necessarily have the the most uh, safe safe uh, communities because of um, either corruption in government or 
cartels, um, militia groups, um, or also low um, low resource availability. Some places where maybe their way of life has been um, has been upended because of a natural disaster. So unfortunately, when these things happen, people realize that they cannot continue to raise their families in these areas, and that's what leads to migration. And so we, as as Western countries, it's important for us to to see that and to to work to help out people um, that are trying to come to these countries, um, or, or and also assist these countries so that way people aren't left with that situation where they feel like they need to leave because that's a terrible that's a terrible position to to be in. Yeah, I think um, it's also especially important to recognize. Um, the protections that international law places on refugees. Like, people have the right to come to the United States and request asylum or seek refuge here. Like, they have the right to do that, um, especially in dangerous areas like that, or like in South America where gang violence is prevalent or um, they may face persecution from other people. So, that that's it's not just a people are coming here to commit illegal things. It's people are coming here to save their families and protect themselves from violence they may experience. Um, and another thing you kind of brought up is uh, the, this um, idea of climate migrants. Mm -hmm. While international law currently does not talk about climate migrants, because when refu like the Refugee Convention was first established after World War II, this wasn't a thing yet. Uh, climate change and global warming wasn't to the extent at it where it is now, where we're having all of these dangerous weather events or natural disasters that mean people have to leave their homes, especially when looking at um, like small island states who may be underwater within the next decade or two, who now have to find places for their people to go. Um, so that's another thing we're going to have to be grappling with. Um, but also, like, in this kind of discussion about immigration, everyone always brings up the border, which is another kind of element we wanted to discuss today, as if you didn't know, Biden um, just last week announced that he would be, um, or not last week, I think it was the week before that, um, expanding the border wall. Um, and I kind of want to push back on the idea that expanding the border wall will stop illegal immigration because it's not um, one people find ways around it. And two, the majority of undocumented immigrants um, don't come here by digging a tunnel under the wall or hiding in the back of a van to get through border checkpoints. It's they come here on a green card and then overstay. Um, so it's not going to magically solve this idea of um, illegal immigration that I think people think it will. Um, it really just is a waste of money, in my not so humble opinion. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. I think that the the idea of a border wall is is a, is a waste of money, um, but. At the same time, though, I, I, I think that that money should be spent on infrastructure because, um, I mean, it's no surprise that infrastructure in the U.S. is not exactly the best. But yeah. I think there are better uses for the money. And I think that the attention that the border wall, I'm using quotes, the border wall brings, um, it, if anything, 
I'm trying to find the silver lining in it. And I think the silver lining is that it brings attention to a broken migration process that needs to be fixed. And that's what I think is the silver lining. It, it gets people talking about migration, what's good and what's bad and how it can be better. Yeah, you know, a lot of talk about the border wall is honestly, it's just talking points for people to, I I feel like, one, jab at whoever's president, and two, as a kind of way to be like, this is is an issue you are facing, this will solve it. When illegal immigration isn't as easily as solved as just putting up a wall, like that's not going to fix the problems causing illegal immigration, it just... It might prevent some of them, but people are still going to come here, and that's it's not going to have this like drastic magical effect that if we block off the entire border with Mexico, suddenly we will have no undocumented immigrants. That's just it's unrealistic. Correct, and and so there is there is there are statistics that show that there has been an increase in migration. Um, so there's an article from CNN says that the U.S. government data shows that there are are more immigrants coming here. In July 2022, for example, Customs and Border Patrol figures indicate 4,000 family there are 4,000 family encounters at the border. A year later, so July of 2023, that number had quadrupled to 22,000. So the number of people that are trying to come to the United States has definitely increased. That that's that's not debatable. That's statistically that is backed up. But I think it's the responsibility of the government and the local government, state and federal government to see that there is an, an increase in migration and work to accommodate that, not work to deter it. Um I don't think that the US should be in the position where we're trying to deter migration and which which is kind of the purpose of a wall but yeah like the modern united states was colonized by europeans the way we know the united states as it is today was founded on immigration like like the native americans didn't design our current government you know this isn't just people who were native here um sure we're americans now but like once upon a time like that wasn't true so i I feel like it's also really hypocritical to just be like no more people especially when they're facing similar persecution as the people who came here first did mm-hmm. you know um people in the mayflower came here um because they were f- facing religious persecution or um people were sent here because they faced political persecution so i i feel like just being like know all of the people who are in danger can't come here correct and that's really that that comes down to people people want to move either because they're in danger or because they see an opportunity for their families and yeah it, the american it, dream correct and, and but it's also not not just american dream it's also um either people want to go to, to um other other countries because they might have better economic prospects um than the country they're currently living in and but also at the same time people don't want to leave their homes and and migration is because they are forced to leave their homes either because the opportunities for helping their family have have gone away or it's it's no longer safe to keep their families there and and so the flip side of the increase in in migration is also i've noticed um a large increase in the number of groups and people in the u.s that are trying uh, to help 
as well. Um, I've, I've had some experience with that, even some experience with that today. I, I visited um, a local organization here in Nashville, and it was really great to be able to see the resources that they're working, legal housing, food assistance, um, just in integration assistance. And so I'm, I'm very, I'm very um, inspired to see that. Yeah, you know, I think um, as we kind of move forward, there, there's always like these two extremely polar sides to it. And that obviously there's the group of people who are like, ah, no immigration rah, with their pitchforks and stuff. And then there's pretty much everyone else going, they're just people coming here. They have, they have the legal right to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like it, it's also good to see that people are willing and able to reach out and assist these communities. But I think kind of going back to what you were saying about people not wanting to leave their homes, that's also why the United States has such a diverse culture, because they, they bring their culture and parts of their home with them and then introduce it to the greater American public so they still have those ties to where they came from. That is a, that is a great point. That 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 is something that is really really unique, and that I love experiencing. With well, you probably get to experience quite a bit of that in New York. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, like New York is so diverse, and it's there's so many things here that people brought with them when they came here from you know Europe or somewhere in Asia or in the Caribbean. Um, that it's it's just so great to see. Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a great that's a great point to end on. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was really good <laughs> yay um and I, and that's that's kind of what has molded i think this country into what it is is the diversity of of people because there there was no american culture there was no united states culture it's a, it's a combination of all of the the people that have come here looking for opportunity safety um and it's it's it's, it's a really unique um, experiment that's really only a couple year, hundred years old. And yeah. it's, it's um, I'm optimistic. I, I I think that because of because there are really good people out there, it's it's gonna it's gonna help everyone. Yeah, I, I think we need to collaborate with um, Native Americans and Asian Americans and Latino Americans and African Americans to kind of all come together and make the United States the best it can be. You know, it can't just be what it was for 200 years. You know, we got to adapt and move forward and become more inclusive. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to a representative government where, whereby everyone ha everyone gets the ability, you, you vote, and that's that's really fantastic. And that's the separating factor between um, our represent representative government and then... Um, um, authoritarian governments, whereby maybe we were just talking about the Taliban. Um, we were also talking about uh, cartels, but that's something that we get to dictate here in the United States is who are going to be the people that represent us in our government. Yeah, absolutely. That's why um, I absolutely encourage everyone who's listening to go out and vote this November. Absolutely. It's not obviously the 2024 presidential election but there are local and state elections going on this November. You should still have time to request a mail-in ballot if you need one. Um, I just mailed mine, I think, last week, and they, I got the notification that the state of Pennsylvania has received it. So 
if you don't need a mail-in ballot, go online. You can check where your voting location is. Um, but I totally recommend everyone go out and vote this November. You know, it's not just the big elections that matter. It's the small ones, too, because that's how you get your school board. That's how you get your mayor or um, your city council, which uh, I think, as we've seen recently, are so important in things like um, book bans at school and stuff. So so one great, definitely... one great resource is vote.org. Um, I'm on that website right now. It shows you everything that you need, uh, checking your registration status. Um, we're also registering initially, voting by mail, seeing what's on the ballot, locating your polling place. So that's really that's going to be a really fantastic resource that I'm going to look at further. And everyone listening, please also check that as well, because as Catherine said, it's very relevant and the election is coming up. Yeah, um, because obviously this is like state election. And then if you get your uh, registration checked out now, whether you have to register um, initially or setting your, making sure your registration is valid for the 2024 election, that is coming up sooner than we all expected, I think. Um, so pri primaries will be upon us soon. I believe they start in January or February. So get all your stuff ready to vote now. All right. Um, before we wrap up, I think we just wanted to hear a couple words about our coloring book. Yes. So in addition to uh, individual donations, uh, in addition to uh, business sponsorships, we also have a coloring book that is available for sale on Amazon. This is the same coloring book that we've sent around to kids around the world. It's a great way to be able to learn more about animals, to be able to draw animals and provide some extra extra paper as well. Um, so if you like the work that we do, please also considering purchasing our coloring book on Amazon. Um, all of the proceeds go directly towards our ability to continue our efforts to help out kids. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Well, I think we will wrap it up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been GEC Important Talks hosted by the team at Global Education Connection. You can find us at our website, www.globaleducationconnection.org to learn more about uh, who we are, what we do, and how you can help best support us, including by becoming a donor. Um, you can also find us on all of our social media platforms. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye.